0: I'm Sharice Fortunato from Shovel the Sidewalk, and on today's episode of Sidewalk Talk, it's going to get uncomfortable. Our topic is race. When it comes to racism and injustice in our country, there are differing and passionate perspectives on the subject. It can be nerve-wracking to have these conversations because you don't want to be misunderstood and you don't want to offend anybody. I do believe staying silent is not the answer, and I think the way to help is to have conversations, to ask questions, to listen openly, and to be open to learning new perspectives. As in all learning, we're going to make mistakes, but that is how we grow. Don't be afraid to have these conversations. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. I'm thankful to be able to talk to Eric and Sarah today because I know they'll extend me some grace as we approach this very intimidating topic of race. Eric and Sarah Richardson are friends of mine who happen to be a biracial couple and have a one-year-old son, Levi. Eric and Sarah, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Sharice, for having us. Thank
0: you, thank Thank you, you. Sharice. You're very welcome. This is exciting. You know. <laughs> all yeah. right. So Sarah, I want to start with you because I know that you're very vocal when it comes to this topic. And I want to know if this is something you've always been passionate about. And if not, when did you become passionate about it?
2: So um, I would say that um, throughout my life, I was raised in an environment that we were told to love all people from all different cultures and all different backgrounds. Um, And I didn't really realize what that meant until I was exposed to different cultures. Um, And I think throughout the years as I have been exposed to different things and been uncomfortable, um, I've become more passionate about race. And I think traveling Um, and studying abroad and being a teacher overseas in Ecuador, all of that has um, led me to realize my own um, upbringing and my privilege that I've had. Um, And it has made me want to just learn more about different cultures um, and different backgrounds and the effect um, that whiteness has all throughout the world um and so i think that when i met eric um i think that i was more aware of our differences in race mostly only when we're with just a group of white people or just a group of black people that i'm like oh yeah i guess i'm white and you're black but um so throughout the years and my work, um, just everything and more recently with within the, which I think also being a mom um, has made me more passionate about the injustices and to have these conversations about race. Um, so, yeah.
0: Did your parents, you know, you talked about accepting everyone and loving everyone. Did they have distinct conversations about race and the white privilege and all that stuff?
2: Not at all. So, um, I grew up in a very, um, conservative evangelical Christian, uh, background and my parents became, um, Christians when they were young. Um, and they, it was different. Um, so my dad's family, um, they have been, we can trace our family back to the Mayflower and, um, my grandma, my great is from Italy off the boats. Um, and she, was you know we really identify with being Italian and um, being from you know Welsh and um, all of these different things, and so some of that was there. And my grandparents definitely were the generation of like be nice to everyone, but the things that they said um, were highly inappropriate at times, and it was they didn't mean any harm, but it, their ideologies were extremely actually harmful and they didn't even realize it. Um, so, learning, seeing that, like there was never a conversation about race necessarily, um, like it was more, you know, don't judge a person based on the color of their skin, get to know them first, but, you know, make sure kind of that mentality of make sure that they're, um, have something to offer you, like that they're educated and their worth in some ways came from that. Whereas my, my parents, that was my grandparents, whereas my parents were more like, love everyone, God loves everyone. You know, they were more concerned about the faith, um, perspective of things rather than necessarily uh, race. Um, But there was also never the, they also were in the generation of you work hard for what you get. And there was never really as many conversations of like, but we had it easier because we were, we came from a line of doctors and that those different expectations. So I didn't really have these conversations honestly until like probably college, um, till I was exposed to more things and and, um, within my educational field and stuff. Um, And then some of these different conversations like started with my parents, I would say.
0: And Eric, how is your upbringing different than Sarah's experience? And did you guys have those conversations?
1: not a lot on our end of conversations would rarely come up um other than you know make sure like you know, yes this situations like racism exist and we gotta be like you know, okay for the black people and for us and you know make sure we're cognizant of the world we live in as african-americans that it could be you know much more difficult to attain success you have to work much more harder um, but, but not a lot of like in-depth conversations came from that. Um, I live, you know, growing up in this predominantly black community, black church, black schools. Um, so I never really like had to have those conversations because I didn't have that exposure um, to other cultures um, right away, if Not not uh, maybe like late high school and college, those conversations where I've exposed to other cultures where those conversations may come up and... Uh, but then my parents just joked about me a oh, while. Wow. It's a funny story, after, um, if they came up in any way, um, they said, Eric, you're probably most likely to marry a white girl because <laughs> you act white, you talk white, look like that. So if it came up for anything with me personally, they used to joke about me like that. Um, other than that, like I said, we never had like those in-depth conversations. Um, unless it was maybe like a situation came up where we had to, which you know, was rare, um, at least for me, I can't speak for my parents, maybe they didn't tell us everything um, just
0: Okay.
2: And it's interesting because growing up, there was a time that my family, my dad really liked uh, this pastor that was from the city um, at Calvary Baptist Church. And he, um, we were the only white family that went to this church. And we came all the way from East Amherst, the suburbs to the city. And we were the only white family that went to this church because he loved this pastor and he loved like the singing. And like, it was interesting, you know, because I remember as a child that there were definitely some women like um, that probably were like, looked at us like, who are, who is this white family here, you know? So I definitely was exposed to a lot of different, like, cultures, but I think that it was, um, it was just kind of like, yeah, this is, like, this is okay. Like, we didn't, we didn't really, I don't know if it was, like, forceful, but it was just kind Mm -hmm. of like, we're, we love these all different people because we share the same faith, and Mm -hmm. um, I don't think that necessarily, they always look deeper at the differences between like our race and our upbringing and different things like that. So.
0: Okay. So you guys now have Levi who's one year old and, Mm -hmm. um, do you plan on having these conversations with him? How is his upbringing going to be different than both of yours?
1: I mean, that's, that's the struggle we have, where we talk about that all the time. Um, I think the one thing we struggle with, you know, start off with, and maybe he's too young to maybe, like, notice this, and maybe we are too young, too early on, to maybe, like, dive in deeper this, but one thing we're struggling with in our conversation we have about this is, how do you integrate, you know, both of our cultures and backgrounds in his life? Um, like, Sarah and I say, okay, at the white culture, the black culture, like, how do you give him, you know, Expose them to those type of cultures, uh, and what do we do? Or other family members, and uh, it all depends on where we want him to live, type of school you want, you want him to go to. Um, those are all since we have to think about. And also for me, my fear is how he's going to be treated because he's a mixed race. Will he be treated differently from both groups? Not be accepted because of who he is. He doesn't fully fit in. Um, I mean, I, us, personally, we're going to treat him and expose him the best way we can to both cultures, kind um, of like food or churches or lifestyle or activities um, or where we live. Um, but you know, there's a real world out there that may, you know, they may not show that same type of love uh, for him that we will, I mean, his parents, of course, that's not going to happen. Um, so it's always my fear that he's going to have a hard time finding his way Uh, the type of depending on what type of environment he's in
2: Mm -hmm. but at the same time though I mean kind of to not disagree but like you know we we are very proud of both of our backgrounds Mm -hmm. and we specifically chose Levi's name um, to like to mean, it, his name means joined in harmony. Mm-hmm. And our hope is, even though it's 2020, and we would think that we would already have been here by this time in our society, um, you know, our prayer and our hope for him is to bring people together. And for him to be another representation of of being proud of who you are based on your background, because he is half white and half black. And he should be proud of being white and proud of being black in knowing the history between both of the races. And that's a hard history that we're gonna have to discuss of how, Um, you know, just even being mixed and being lighter, that it's, there's history of being um, treated better in certain circumstances and not being, um, you know, um, discriminated against as much because of his lighter skin or, um, you know, just, or, or on the opposite, because he is mixed being made fun of. Um, from both sides of the story or both sides. Um, so, but we are aware of that and we're mindful of it. And it's our job. I think it's more of my job in some ways to make sure that he is proud of both sides in his history, because he does come from good families that love him and that want the best for him. Um, so, and we want him to be an example to other people. So we have thought really deeply about this and and for him and not to put pressure on him because we want him to be himself and we want him to to identify with the different parts of the culture and however he wants to identify with. Um, But it's our job to make sure that we expose him to um, the good and maybe sometimes the bad within both of our cultures.
1: Well, ultimately, of course, likes, let him find his own way. Uh, what fits him, of course, like you know, within culture, maybe take whatever he feels best with bits and pieces from each background and maybe grow into that. And that's who he becomes. So we can of course expose them, but ultimately, you know, give him the freedom to make that decision to be who he is you know, unapologetically. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what so it's the fine line as well too yes expose them but be who you are not just based on culture and background but you do, you're so much more than what your skin color is you, know, right. you are as an individual are something special first and foremost let me talk about backgrounds and cultures that's just an added benefit No, you know you are you present something unique as you're created no you know god created you as you,
2: mm-hmm. you no,
1: know, not as anyone else
2: and I mean even between us you know every person within their culture has the right to be an individual and some of these stereotypes and these different prejudices that we have don't allow for the individuality between each person I mean Eric likes 80s music and rock and I like like Latin Latina music and like reggaeton and like a lot of different things so you know when we put people in these boxes and say you oh you're from here you have to like this you have to be like this and you only can listen to this music or you can only do this and you can only like it no parent no person should do that for their child each person gets to choose what makes them unique and what they're interested in. And I think that we're doing a disservice in some ways when we limit people based on the color of their skin or even their culture of what they need to be or what they, the qualifications or the characteristics of how they should act or be.
0: Mm-hmm. Are there any lessons that you feel you're going to need to teach him that you guys? Didn't have to be taught.
1: Mm. Yeah, of course. I mean, there's always learning experiences.
2: Oh. I mean, how were you taught in regards to the police, or in regards to different environments? Like, what mm-hmm. did your parents ta- like? How did they?
1: I mean, definitely, you know, be smart while you're in interactions with police or anyone else. they'll be smart. You know, make good decisions. Um, but a lot of those conversations based off of what we can do as ourselves to make sure we don't put ourselves in tough situations. We're always taught to avoid those situations. So I think a different thing, you know, what's going on now, what I teach Levi is, okay, what if you do get in those situations, you know, how do you deal? Um, that's something that's different I could teach him as opposed to when I was taught to just, here's how to stay out of situations and here's what you do to avoid that. Um, avoid those bad crowds, my parents used to say, avoid putting yourself in situations where you need trouble with boys or, or your teachers or, uh, or anyone else or anyone in church or anything like that. But now I have to teach me by that, but what to do when he gets those situations, how do we deal with that? Um,
2: aka another way of being more blunt about this is that Eric was very sheltered growing up, okay he wasn't i mean yeah he played outside he was uh, able to do that kind of stuff but he didn't get to really do sleepovers he didn't really
1: i've had one sleepover outside of family one sleepover
2: outside (laughs) of family he did one sleepover he didn't go like you you didn't really like go to a lot of different events or places or things like that whereas i am beyond just a five And my parents let me do anything because I was a good kid and I was still involved in church and activities. And I didn't really, you know, my siblings, we all did, they got into trouble and doing some stuff and whatnot and with the law and my brothers and, you know, just stupid things that, that happened and whatnot. But I was not sheltered. I was very like, you as long as you don't get in trouble and do anything stupid and don't, you know, do drugs and don't drink and drive. And I mean, my parents were still had boundaries and, and had guidelines, but like, I didn't really have curfews. Like I didn't, I got, I went all different places. I definitely had sleepovers. I went to concerts. Like I, I didn't, I wasn't sheltered, you know, yeah.
0: like I, yeah. Yeah. Why, why were you so sheltered? Do you think?
1: I think just protected us from like I said earlier from tough situations, um not putting ourselves in a position you know where danger can happen. I think my parents thought that was the best way to protect us. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we didn't do anything. You know, of course, we had outside, we had friends. Um, and part of that maybe was just my personality. I you know, I could probably say my siblings probably did a little bit more than I did. Um, I was always just more introverted, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nothing for me to, even now just to hang in the house and maybe read a book or watch a movie um, so it's, I kind of get worried for me how, what can I teach Levi about a lot of the real world because I don't have as much exposure to like as Sarah has to like different you know aspects of life and situations but I can teach him um, okay like you know how to like you know stay with situations or be smart uh, what to avoid um, But also, like, you know, how to still grow. Like, I'm still learning, you know, about the world. Just maybe through different avenues, talks to my parents, reading books, watching TV the news, um, hearing conversations in school. School is a big part of, you know, how I learned about the world. Uh, no, I didn't get to travel places or do all this other stuff, but I learned you know, what other people were doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, okay, let, let's not do that. Or maybe I should do more of that um, or look into this. Uh, so I was still learning and taking in, like, you know, other people's experiences, even if I wasn't having much of my own.
2: Oh, so it's beneficial. big difference, I'm just thinking, and it's making me laugh kind of, in terms of some of this. So where I grew up, I grew up in um, East Amherst, and um, my neighbors, we, we've lived there like forever. Um, we didn't have a key, like my siblings and I, we didn't have a key to our house we would actually get in trouble if we locked the door. <laughs> like I remember distinctively getting in trouble for locking the door when I was home alone, like as a teenager or something like that. And my parents were like, why'd you lock the door? Like, what are you doing? Whereas this one over here, like <laughs> is obsessive about it. As and, Like everything, <laughs> like checking it and like, you know,
1: so but, but the neighborhoods we lived in, though, you know, she lived in East Amherst, like, probably the same. I'm not sure if still is the same neighborhood in America. I live in the inner city of Buffalo, much different neighborhoods. And, um, mm-hmm. To answer your question of how are we using shelter, well, it's just the neighborhood we lived in. Like, just I couldn't really do as much because mm-hmm. of the safety aspects. Uh, so everything had to be locked. Make mm-hmm. sure if we didn't lock a door. It's like, why wasn't the door locked? Um, God forbid we missed the screen, be a street door being locked or we heard a, the screen door open unlock and hit like you know, the side of the uh, railing on the porch with the oh my gosh someone's trying to get in it's like yeah. that's how serious it was everything had to be locked mm-hmm. um so it's one of the things like i need to sleep at night knowing the door is locked now my son is safe and my wife is safe
2: whereas i'm like uh okay i guess i'll lock like, I think living on my own and living in different countries and stuff like that as a single woman, now I'm more like, I lock things more, you know? So it's different now, but yeah, it was, it's just, even that is different, you know, in terms of like the police and being afraid. It, I was raised that it was like, This is our home you protect it don't be afraid it's your right to like protect it and no one's like there's nothing that's going to happen well not nothing going to happen but like the chances of it happening within our area are very low and it's Mm -hmm. safe so yeah, so that's a big difference.
1: And I think for me, if I were saying that, I kind of like, as I've grown older, especially in my own family, I've kind of longed for that type of lifestyle, you know, where I can live in a neighborhood where I don't have to lock the doors. Um, Sarah and I are having conversations about buying a house. And Aaron's like, where do you want to live? Well, I do live in such a place like East Amherst or Clarence. And maybe somewhere I feel like no more peace with me, I don't have to lock my door. Um, so for me, I kind of like envy that kind of upbringing, um, maybe in a positive way, Hey, that's really cool. You can live in you know, there's a place. You don't have to lock your door. Like I can sleep at night. Um, I can that at peace on um, my son just rests easy at night. Um, so kind of like the culture things, I'm always intrigued about some of the differences that we have, um, in a positive way, because like, I think it's really cool. Like some upbringing, like you have locked doors or. Sarah so able to do more stuff, the freedom to do more. Um, I just kind of what drew me to her because she had that, you know, I want to do things spirit. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of like meshed with me because, you know, I want to try those things myself too. So her saying stuff, I kind of like lean toward that kind of upbringing as well. For Levi, um, I want to live in a neighborhood where it doesn't have to lock the door. I want to live somewhere we can go outside and ride a bike and not have to fear, you know, getting, you know, jumped by boys in the neighborhood or girls. I mean, boys, but you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like, so I kind of like, I want that for my family. Um, and I think that's, for me, what I'm working so hard for, what I'm pushing for, um, to have that. And I think, you no, know, we do have that for the most part where we live at right now. And I'm just so grateful for that, where, you no, know, if we forget to lock the door. It's okay. I don't have to worry about no one 4 a.m. in the morning, no outside front, you no know, doing like really loud music or, or sitting out in the car, tinted windows, not knowing what's going on, or having to call the police. Um, I love that Sarah had that upbringing. Uh, and I love that knowing that's what the lifestyle we have right now, we're pushing more toward going forward even more. Um, I guess, see, I, I, I'm probably, sorry ranting, but I guess mm-hmm. I want that um, mm-hmm. because I don't have much of that. So no more locked doors.
0: (laughs) We won't give out your address. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what, I mean, I I think you guys kind of touched on it, but I'm gonna ask again, do you plan on having a talk with Levi about racism and at, at what point, at what age? I mean, he's only one year old now. So when do you think you approach that subject?
2: Honestly, like if it comes up prior to the age of maybe where he developmentally can see the differences in people and ask questions, then I would talk about it. But just like thinking developmentally, probably not until he's like five at least, or six, and more you know? like an innocent
1: way, You're not like right. serious, like okay, this you need to know, right? Um, I think it's more like situationally kind of serious. If questions arise, or he may ask something, we don't want to like get him too quickly exposed. You still want to have that sort of innocence at a younger age, mm-hmm. versus everyone's the same. and Hey, there's another kid I'm playing with. Um, me thinking maybe close to preteens, maybe, and that's only, si- of course, we'll have like a bigger talk. Well, okay, here's your background. But I think there'll be more talks as the you know, situations come up. Um, but I'm hoping that nothing comes up. You know, We have one big talk with him and then life goes on. And then everything's married. That's what I'm hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think we can get there. Um, I think everything's going on. I think people are fighting for a world we can live in where we can be there. We wouldn't have to have these type of talks about race or backgrounds where it wouldn't even matter. Um, you know Levi has a long way to grow up, so we'll see. you Know what type of talks we have. It's tough to say right now because mm-hmm. we don't know the type of world we're gonna be living in. So many things are changing, and situations change, and people changing. People are being more enlightened. Um, the area we live in is more like accepting or not. Um, so I guess we'll see what type of talks we have as situations come up. Um, okay, so here's the why something happened because of such such reason, or look at it this way
2: and I think that as he you know I'm just kind of thinking of it as like a school counselor like his developmental like knowledge and and comprehension of more things and I think that um, it's actually not gonna just be like a one-time conversation (laughs) I disagree with you. I feel like it's gonna be um, a lifelong thing just like with us or with me personally, I guess, um, that as he continues to grow and experience different things and, um, you know, become his his own identity as who he is as a person, as a mixed person, um, then I think that, that we'll have multiple conversations and it will depend on you know, getting deeper developmentally as he grows. Um, mm-hmm. So, but I would say until it's like he asks, you know, then we would probably have that conversation. If it's younger, then maybe like five, six, seven, you know, if he if he asks, then we would talk about it and stuff. But I don't
1: want get to the point where he has like such anxiety, like he has to be co- uh, constantly cognizant of okay, how people see me because of yeah. my background. Yeah. Um, right. I don't want him come out that anxiety, you know, that fear. Um, mm-hmm. so definitely maybe start like an innocent way and maybe gradually introduce it to him. But I'm hoping, um, like you know, Sarah's saying, you no, know, over time, but I'm hoping to get to the point where that doesn't even matter. Uh, depending on the people who are in his life. Um, you know, and no, we don't have to have a conversation for everything that comes up. There's gonna be good or bad people no matter what, for mm-hmm. everything. Um so it may not be just a race conversation. It's gonna be like son, here's a life conversation, what you need to be mindful. Your background is just part of it. You know, people are gonna be who they are, you know, good or bad, no matter what you are. Mm-hmm. Brown, black, blue, indigo, red, Asian, you know, Italian, you know, African, Australian, you know, Kiwi, whatever your background is, people are gonna have something to say. Um, and sometimes you just can't, you know, focus on that, you know, focus on the positive people in your life focus on people who are accepting of you and then grow with that and grow with those people. Um,
2: but I don't think that we're there yet, like, within our society, as a society.
1: And not society, a, a society, but the people within our lives. Yeah, within like, our lives, the
2: that are
1: on like our immediate family and our church family and friends, great. Um, even strangers when we go out, they get so excited when they see us and Levi, like, oh my gosh, he's a beautiful baby, or we had one lady to say, oh, I love brown babies, and I didn't them, but she meant, she meant so was well older, older, she
2: held, so she didn't so. realize that it was offensive. So
1: some conversations could be funny like that, well, son, she didn't mean that, but it's kind of funny. She meant, well.
2: Was we it to offensive to you, Eric? No. It yeah. was more offensive to me. <laughs> no. I thought so. <laughs> because eric is very gracious and he is very like oh it's okay i mean where i'm like really like because mm-hmm. she because she had said like oh i have a brown baby that lives next to me and i'm like
1: as we out with another mixed couple who are about to have a baby soon as i was well. like
2: oh okay so that's interesting and i was thinking i'm like i wonder what that brown baby looks like or is that brown baby is that brown baby black? Is that brown baby Indian? Is that brown baby Spanish or or Latina, Latinx or whatever other, what is that brown baby? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it was just, but she was like 80 and yeah. and so we give grace to a lot she of well. different things. Just like I give grace to another person that says said mulatto. You know, like there's terms that used to be socially accepted that are not anymore. And when people use them, like, instead of just shaming them and making them feel bad, like just, you know, maybe having a conversation and then, um, can, can you, you know explain,
0: can you explain why mulatto is offensive? Cause I did not know that.
2: Yes, mulatto is offensive Um, and this kind of, I learned actually through my study of Spanish. Um, So just like in the US, a lot of um, just any colonized country has different terminology and specifically within Spanish, there's a lot of different um, words for the different uh, mixing of races. But mulatto, I don't know what the origin of the language is, but what that meant was the percentage of Black that you were. So it is extremely offensive because it was a way back in the day throughout history to determine the percentage of Black that a person is. And the reason why that mattered was when they separated either the um duties like within the house or your heritage or your background and um and if like slave owners had relations with slaves um like there was there's so many different terminologies and the percentage of black that a person is so now you know, maybe it used to be harmless that it was like, oh, you're mulatto, you're mixed, you're, um, but it was you're this percentage, you're half, or you're one quarter, or you're this. So it's all kind of, it's a word that just is not, it's not good. Hey. <laughs> it's, it's offensive.
0: Okay, good to know. So, yes, yes. Um, so. Is there any conversations, like me as a parent, my struggle is what do I say to my girls who don't have, won't be experiencing those fears? And and we have the conversations of love everyone and be kind to everyone. But is, is there something I'm missing? Is there something I should be expanding on?
1: Go ahead, I'm still processing. <laughs>
2: okay, still processing. Um, honestly, like if I am telling just a quick story of kind of what has started me on my cultural competency and learning experience, Reader's Digest version. Um, you know, I always thought that I was, I was aware and that I loved everyone and everything was great. And it wasn't honestly until I did my internship, um, at, um, Amherst high school and my, the person that I was under, she was black and it was the first person I, I never felt like she like, liked me. This sounds really conceited, but I, I actually had to earn my, um, my work and my worth as a person, instead of just like coming into it and like, being like oh I'm like a nice person and like she loves me like I actually had to work and and gain my worth from her and be exposed and be uncomfortable um and it was the best it was the hardest thing and it was the like the best thing because I didn't get it and I didn't get that when I um when parents would come in because it was at Amherst High School, um, and there were there was this woman that came in the one time, and she was like, um, "We're moving to Williamsville because um, we just don't like how the school is um, is is switching, A.K.A. we don't like that the school is becoming more mixed with with different people, with black people, is what she was saying, and I didn't get that, because in my mind, I came from Williamsville schools, and she's like, um, in my mind, I'm like, oh, yeah, Williamsville, like, is a better school, but why is it a better school, like, and why, why would she think that, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. and why, like, I was just opened up, and Amherst is a really great school, and it's a really good school, and, and that was the first, like, really, experience and going to a cultural competency training and doing this like um, in essence like what your privilege is and how based on your heritage and based on your background how that has led you to where you are in your ability to achieve um, you know go to college and um, be supported and have higher education based on your background and really like grad school and the research that I did and that experience and my internship and, and having someone, um, really, uh, encourage me to grow and question, not question me, but she was, um, the first person that I felt like was, was honest and real with me and had those conversations and, and opened it up to me of like, hey, like black and white experience is different and you don't get it in essence. And you need to work for what you have and not just be given it is mm-hmm. what, and, and that to me is something that I definitely wanna teach um, Levi. And I mean, I, I feel like I had that, but I didn't have that, like to that extent in essence because I am white and because the color of my skin, I have had it easier. And I have not been discriminated against just based on the color of my skin. Mm-hmm. And compared to other people that have. And, and that really was my starting point of like, I love all people. I don't see color. And how that actually can be harmful, um, and so I never, I never told her this because throughout the years i I, I feel like I need to tell her just like how it was transformational in a positive way for me. Um, but yeah, um, that was that was kind of one of the first experience of being like really uncomfortable, and then turning that kind of shame in a little bit of guilt maybe into like a learning experience and growing. So I would say that I would wanna teach your children that they have um, privilege just based on their skin color and, and how all people should be respected um, just as a person in general but like that they have to earn their way as well. That they don't, they don't um, they're don't, they not entitled to anything just because they're white, even mm-hmm. though it is given because they are white, if that makes sense.
0: It does, it does. And you actually brought up something that I wanted to ask too, where um, you said the phrase, I don't see color can be harmful. Explain that because that's how I was raised is I don't see color everyone and and I was always conflicted with that because I was like but I do like I Mm -hmm. notice someone and I mean it stands out right so -hmm. then I would feel guilty because I I do see color and I never really understood you know what that was supposed to mean so explain why that phrase is harmful
2: okay
1: do you want to explain a little bit or do you want me to explain it <laughs> yeah because i've i well i thinking of actually color um i'm actually personally learning that's so that's not maybe good to say either because i figure out hey that sounds innocent enough hey they mean well when they say i don't see color um they see me as a person which that's what we want but i think where sarah's getting to is yes still see color, still see the differences of people's skin color and what they had to go through based off you know, their skin color, their background, their culture. Um, not even just black and white, you know, this is you no know, these conversations start I feel like always stop at the start with black and white. Mm-hmm. But there's so many, you know, different cultures that had different struggles. Um, you know, think of the people like the Irish or the you know, Italians come off the boats or something like that. Or think of you know, the Asians or, you know, like the wars, like World War II, so like the um, think about all the backgrounds that people all around the world that have you know, situations based off just their culture so it's not just seeing was not just seeing I see color or but it's like hey you see culture as well too to maybe try to learn about the experiences I think that's what Santa of Sarah's getting to
2: so I I was raised in that way as well and it was meant to be as a positive you know um. And I think that, that where it comes from is this idea that a lot of white, specifically kind of Americans or white people in general, it's like, I don't see color and everyone should be like us. Everyone should be just like us. And if you are just like us, then I like you, aka white people, the dominant culture, quote unquote and god rest her soul but you know my grandparents were very much like this you know they love and they've said demeaning conversations or comments about different people um by by saying like oh you're so educated you're so well spoken or you're so you know you dress like like so well you know, stuff like that, that they don't realize is, is actually really offensive. And so the, the, I don't see color can be, um, then you don't see what that person has actually experienced or the things that they've had to go through that are different than if you, if everyone was the same, because not everyone is the same. So yes, we need to love everyone the same, no matter on their color or their culture or their background. But when we say that phrase, we are diminishing that person's background. We're diminishing that person's experience. We're diminishing that that person has a unique culture based on maybe how they look. That we're diminishing the fact that if I'm mixed, maybe I'm mixed with three different races or cultures or backgrounds. And maybe it was really difficult for me as a, I don't know, Asian person, you know, it, because I'm not good at math or, you know, whatever stereotype that people have based on different races or things like that, you know? So, not seeing the color and saying, I don't see color can actually diminish what that person has experienced or the things that are challenging because of their skin color or their culture. So that um, makes
0: so much sense. And now that you explain it, it it just broadens my view. And I feel like This is exactly why we have to have these conversations. And that was a very difficult question, uncomfortable question to ask because you don't want to be offensive or, you know, you don't want to be taken the wrong way. But I love that I was able to ask that question. I love that we can hear that answer. Are there any other things that white people think are harmless or, you know, are helpful, that are actually offensive or, or harming that you guys can enlighten us with? <laughs> I mean, I, I have a hard
1: time with these type of questions um, personally because i don't had this conversation with friends the other day and I, I don't want people I people people in my life, I guess for the black people. I don't want people like we go to church together. I don't want you to see me at church' if, like you have to walk on eggshells and think about every single thing that you say or do. Am I offending Eric? Um, because he's Black, um, or every single, you know, how I act is offending him. Um, yes, I'm Black, but I'm also an individual. Um, like, I am probably wouldn't say I'm your typical, I wouldn't say stereotypical Black guy. Um, I, I stink at basketball, do not think me <laughs> at all. Um, I love 80s music, um, and Yanni is one of my favorite artists. I went to a Yanni concert, and the best concert I've ever been to was a Celtic Woman Christmas concert. Um, so I don't want people to see me, like, they gotta walk on eggshells and they can't, like, talk about, you know, they have to, like, talk about things that they think, perceive, that I care about. Um, I don't want you to feel like that. Don't, don't treat me any differently. Um, I think the problem that we're having, and maybe if a taller to tell your case, teach something, is... You know, think about the perceptions everyone has, you know, all the cultures. Like, seriously, it's not just a white or black thing, you know. Like Sarah said, Asians, the perceptions people have Asians. They're good at math and they're bad drivers, or something like that. Um, or the perception they have for black men, it's like, hey, we don't, you know, take care of our kids. Um, or women who, are black women are always loud, or what Sarah people say, like, you know, angry black women type of thing or white women in the suburbs, that they're all like stuck up and rich and or had Karen's. everything whatever, Karens. Whatever, thing. they had everything handed to them. Um, I, I don't want to get to a point where white people, if I could say that, feel like they have to teach their kids that, you know, what they're doing, how they treat people with the love and kindness, that I'm sure, I maybe mean, you raise your kids, but people we know they're raising, their, how they're raising their kids, it's not enough. Um, that, for me personally, and I can't speak with other African Americans, I don't know the experiences. For me personally, that's enough for me. Um, treat me just with love, and kindness, the best way you can. Um, yes, yeah, see my color. Initially, fine, see my color. But then, you know, after you get to know me, you, know, you see, okay, Eric, you no, know, it's I, I have people make jokes, like, Eric, you're, you're a white guy, stuck in a black guy's body. Like... Jokes like that, but people may because I'm so much more than my skin color that I feel like, you know, I want people to get to know and not be afraid to get to know. And you know, if you're like, you offended me, just come and ask me. I won't bite your head off. We'll um, probably just laugh at it. But
2: even saying that is offensive mm-hmm. because, again, it goes to the point that, like, so black people aren't allowed to be uh, polite and they're not allowed to be like, you are Mm -hmm. you know so and and black people say that and white people say that so it's actually like that's actually really offensive oh it goes both ways and it goes back to the point that stop limiting people based on the color of their skin yes look at the color of the skin get to know them get to know their background understand that 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 there are things that are affected because of history know the history, the uncomfortable history. Um, I just recently had a difficult conversation with a close person about um, systemic racism and about um, just some of these other hard topics and talking about white fragility and some of these other microaggressions and these terms that are, are buzzwords nowadays, but are actually like research based and and in, in, in big important things to talk about. Um, and I think that, that we need to know the, that those things are real. And we need to talk about those things. And even within the Christian community, how Christians have done things in the name of God and Jesus that were wrong because as white people. Um, but in terms of Eric, and he, he doesn't want to be the spokesperson for all black people.
1: I can't because I haven't had all those experiences. Like that, I, I wasn't, I was never brutalized by the police. My experience with the police for the most part has been great. I remember growing up as a kid without 911, the operators knew the name of my family. Hey, so, so so-and-so, you got a problem, everything okay? And they'll be there like five minutes to see what situation happens. Um, that's why I said, I don't want to speak from every black person. I'm not taking away from any experience that anyone has, but I don't want to be unfair to the people who are in my life that are white or other background. That are working so hard and been so great with me and so appreciating loving love and kindness to me and tell them well hey that's not enough for me personally that you no know, i don't appreciate that and even if you say something insensitive i'll be so much more active to give you because i know who you are as a person we got to know each other become friends um that you know what you meant well you know if, if offended me you no know, we can have that conversation later But I don't want to get to the point where me personally, I'm like biting someone's head off or have people walk around eggshells for me because they're afraid of offending me. Um, But I do have to say... What? I was going to say something else, but go ahead. I mean, the point I was trying to make earlier is like, no, we're so much more than our background cultures. We don't want to assume because I'm a certain skin color that I have the same experiences. Um, I have not had all the experiences like maybe all other Black people have had. I grew up in the Black neighborhood, but, no, you know, I, I did grow, you No, know, I had, you no know, troops two, my mom, I had a mom and a dad, grandpa- uh, grandmothers. Um, I've had a great upbringing that not every African-American, obviously male, has not had. Uh, and I'm very gracious, you know, people who are, like, you know, have issues with because of that, that I understand that. But I don't want to be, like I have to speak because the of black people because I'm black automatically means I understand the all the struggles that we have. Um or the same thing though Sarah, like she understands all the struggles that maybe Italians have. Um Sarah's so much more than her white background. She can she knows a lot more about Spanish. She really gets to know her culture than I think anything, which is amazing. It's impressive. Um that's where I feel like you get to the person as the individual. Um yeah, see the see my color as a black guy. But say, hey, we got a black guy at our church—an all-white church—that's really cool. No, see that, and I'm I'm okay with that. That's fun for me, you know. I love the people excitement. I want to get to know this guy even more because he's different from I am. And then you find out I love 80s music, and like, oh, okay, I'm not getting any kind of black sugar from you, but you're still cool, whatever. Um, I'm different from my skin color, the typical black guy, but I can't speak for every black person. Um, I'm not taking away any of the struggles, but I don't want to pretend that um, all the Black struggles affected me personally. Uh, Not to say I haven't overcome things, I haven't had to work much harder, um, but no hard work hasn't hurt anyone. It just makes it that much more better. Mm -hmm.
2: But at the same time, again, to play devil's advocate, Eric is one of the most gracious and forgiving people that you'll ever meet. And he never says anything bad about anyone to the point where it actually makes me annoyed and upset. I do, I call things No, up. you do that. No, you do not. I have
1: one story where I, I, did, I did call a person out, personally, but I know this person and they they were so innocent about it. We, we had like friends a while back ago, uh, white friends, which um, a dinner or someone. And we had set tables. Now, I'm not naming names, Nobody's no needs to names, no issue with this person at all. Um, and the person saying, no, Eric, those people who are Blacks are not supposed to, you guys are the same culture, can you go talk with them? And I'm like, no, let's, let's go, just go talk with them, it's, it's fine. Um, stuff like that, but then I find the person, you No, know, if I would have the conversation. I and mean, when I did call that, I'll say, hey, but that's wrong. Um, um, a close person for me. we know. Just assume,
2: oh, there's other black people over there. Why don't yes. you go be friends with that? I did
1: call that, that out.
2: That kind of But stuff. not
1: that person, because think about back in my okay. Who is that person? You know, where did she come from with that? Did she mean that? And knowing that person or did he mean that? I'm not saying he or she, excuse me. Well that person, um they probably would have felt bad if I would have called them out on that.
2: But again, he's not the he's he is very gracious, and to that point, that kind of comes within our own white fragility mm-hmm. that we want someone that is perfect, like Eric, who is so kind and doesn't doesn't um, make us uh, uncomfortable and 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 doesn't make us question those things. You know what I mean? Um, he is is a good person to, he's not gonna shame you for those things. Maybe another person is, and they're gonna be very offended by that. And if they are, that's okay. And that is their experience. And that is the biggest thing that I have learned from other friends and from people in general, is that we as white people do not get to choose how black people or people of color experience racism experience uh, process things Um, we don't get to say hey why aren't you advocating why aren't you protesting about this more because maybe it's too much maybe they haven't had those experiences and maybe they that's not their personality maybe they are so overwhelmed and they're just internalizing it. We don't get to choose what offends them and what doesn't offend them. And we have to be mindful of that and be willing to, to build a relationship first before we just put all this pressure on them um, to have the answers and to, to respond in a way and to teach us as white people of what to do, you know? Um, and even my other friend, you know, she also was like, hey, I haven't, I don't really feel she's black. She's like, I don't really feel like I have been like discriminated against, but, you know, again, there, why are, are they always the ones that have to be gracious with us? Mm-hmm. Why are they always the ones that have to um, say it's okay when we have been offend- offensive? Oh, it's Okay um when we say inappropriate things you know and eric the other day was kind of put on the spot but not in a bad way but like you know people were praising him as like oh, in a good way. Such... yeah in a good yeah. way um but something that as to me as as his wife as a as a white person that i've never had to think about um when we're talking about police or when we're talking about like different scenarios, I've always been very confident, maybe because I am white and I know that like, that there is privilege and and power quote unquote within that. And so um, he said that- that
1: What to say, Um, I felt like I have to be like perfect. It was like, Eric, the question was like, Eric, how do you feel about the situation? Like, what is your response? Um, and that's kind of, like, kind of like, okay, I was prepared, but I should have expected it, you know, like, here, we want your perspective? Of course, they're like, going to ask, like, I don't have all the Black perspective, but I think the one thing that I was truthful with when I said this, it's truthful, excuse me, um, is sometimes I feel like I had to be perfect, you know, around maybe white people or other people backgrounds, because I'm representing, you know, Black men, especially Black men, Black people, especially Black males. Cause, no, there's definitely a stigma about black males that are out there, and I've, I've written a poem about the courage of black men.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: I don't want this to feel like I'm totally don't understand the plight of black people. I totally get that, and I've you no know, evidence of that. I've seen that. Um, I'm not taking that away. Um, and I feel like I have to be perfect to um, representation of the positive aspects of African-American people. Um, that, you know, we are upstanding, we are, you no. Know, good people. Um, we're not heart all hard worker. We're not all gang making in the street, smoke weed whatever stereotypes they have or um we do take care of our kids. Like no, there are good fathers in the world. Um that's I feel like I'd be one of my biggest motivations for Levi, I'm not sure if it's a good thing or a bad thing, is to be the best father I can be, is because I'm a black man. Is because I want to tear down the stereotypes. So what Sarah's saying is so right. I'm there are barriers that I have to overcome, that we have to overcome as people. I'm well aware, I can be as upstanding as possible, but I'm still going to seeing first and foremost as a black guy. And there are perceptions come with that and certain prejudices come with that. Um, you could be like a white person maybe coming to a black church or like that, or somewhere in the African American community. There's prejudice come with that, like, or perceptions. Oh, she's like, one oh, almost want to be black type of white women or white trash or whatever they say. Um, there's prejudice come where people say, oh, an uh, Asian person behind the wheel, they can't really drive. Um, I understand those barriers that we have to overcome that I have to overcome. What motivates me to be the best person I can be is to break down those barriers. I want to be an example that, hey, I'm not the only one, always these people, I'm not the only one like me. There are so much more including my brothers, my father and my uncles. And so many other men in my life that are black and women that are black and my mothers and my stepmom, my grandmas that are just like me. Like, who do you think I came from? Um, Friends I've met, people I work with right now um, that are black and just working hard and grinding and being a good example, but nobody talks about that. So my motivation is to be the best person I can be and get that perception that we are different. Um, so that's one thing I struggle with but then on the flip side I don't want to assume that people who I interact with from different backgrounds assume a certain thing about me so I have to be careful about that as well I don't want to be you know, assume that you should use that example here because you meet me for the first time you assume a certain thing about me um, I, I, do, I do want to be careful of that line as well too because it's not being fair to you it's not taking account maybe it's things that you learned or who you are as a person how you were raised I don't know who you are I don't know who such and such is. I didn't know who Sarah was when I met her. You had to get. You, I had to get to you know Sarah. I had to get to you know people who are different from white or different backgrounds in my life. And they had to get to you know me. And then that's when maybe you can build those conversations. And I think I've done okay. I don't I like to my own horn, but I think I've done okay to maybe break down those perceptions that people have of black men. Like, oh, Eric is, is one of many. Like, well, who else can I find or? Uh,
2: But, again, to kind of play devil's advocate. It's okay. um, Eric, I don't have pressure to be perfect all the time. I don't have the pressure that I don't get to just be myself. I'm allowed to be myself no matter where I am and no matter whatever environment I am in. Honestly... I do think that it is because I'm white because I'm confident in myself and how people are going to respond to me because I'm white. And maybe I think some of that also has to do with like, I, like I know who I am and I'm not afraid to be who I am also. So there's probably a little bit of that, but I've never had to, um, be cautious of and be perfect Like if I got into trouble, I would never be afraid other than the wrath of my parents growing up that I would be discriminated against or that the police wouldn't listen to me or that they wouldn't um, hear my story or that I wouldn't have rights or that I wouldn't be able to say I'm going to call my lawyer or, you know, stuff like that. That's really kind of snobby in some Mm -hmm. ways. Um, and, and also, like, white privilege, definitely, um, so that he, he doesn't talk about that book, and, and he doesn't, like, he did when he said that I feel like I always have to be perfect. That really crushed me, because I'm like, that's got to be a lot of pressure to, like, constantly have to be the representation for your race, because the, the viewpoint that a lot of people have is negative so you constantly have to be that person that is showing no we're we have we're this mm-hmm. we're powerful we are this we are good fathers we are you know constantly having to fight and that is that's not fair Well, put
1: that in a different perspective, but think about it this way like when we talk about the word perfect number one what do we mean by perfect like what have, A perfect father. Well, I mean, there's no such thing, but a a good father. No, no matter what race, background you are, you still want to always be the best person you can be. Um, I do want to be fair when someone says, no, when someone says Eric is upstanding, he talks proper. Well, if I'm around a group of friends, okay, maybe my vernacular may be a little lower than, like, no, within like no. People I'm hanging out with, but if I'm a professional but that's setting,
2: a microaggression, though.
1: If I'm a professional setting, my,
2: my to my... say that that's to say, like, to say that that's that's wrong. That's saying that that black people or people of color aren't able to talk properly. That's it. That's no, a what I'm saying aggression. is, what I'm,
1: the <laughs> point I'm trying to get to is, there are certain points in life where you do want to be the best of yourself. Yes, okay, maybe around family or friends, okay, yes, I see where Sarah's coming from, but if I'm in the workplace. I had an interview at work today. I'm definitely going to be the best person I can be. Um, if part of that is maybe, you know, showing if I work much harder, to be the best I can because I'm Black, to work much harder, to give out a good perception, well, I'm just going to be much better off, and you know, and much more stronger and more of a qualified candidate than um, I would be if I didn't. Um, but
2: it's unfair to say
1: mm-hmm.
2: that, 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 you have had to do that it would be I mean it's unfair to say that Mm -hmm. like that's not a thing because you in just saying that you are showing that if I just went to college and got a degree and then my parents were in the business or then you know my family blah 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 and and oh yep she's has the qualifications but I got the job just because it was easier because I knew someone or, you know, but that, that's life that though. Kind of I mean,
1: you get, the, I mean, it's all based off who you know, for life, always, know, but, but, but you know, yeah. but pre- presentation.
2: Kind of yeah. sorry, <laughs>
1: sorry about that. Do, do you I love this. I'm, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. I'll say just, I'm just letting you wrap guys, up is, sorry, guys. wrap up with saying is presentation matters. How you present yourself matters. Our church, I act so much differently at a church right now than I did at the beginning. But part of that is like, I'm around new people. I want to present my best self. But now as people have got to know me over like last six years, I'm much more relaxed with who I am. Um, I chew my food maybe in my mouth open time to time now. <laughs> as opposed to, I mean, proper, like I'm, you no know, like I'm mouth closed <laughs> or um,
2: I'm talking Friday. more. and
1: I'm, you know, cracking more jokes or like that. As supposed to be like more timid and more on edge, like having this perfect person. So a lot, of, you know that that being the perfection comes a lot of people I don't know, or when I first meet someone. But a lot of that comes with, you know, trying to be your best self to good, good impression, which I feel like anyone would want to do anyway. So when people say, you know, trying to be perfect, um, that's the concept of being the police. Like, okay, if I'm pulled over, don't make any mistakes. Like, okay, ask, you know, can I use my phone or keep your hands on the steering wheel? Don't make any mistakes at that. But everyday life, um, yes, it's like I'm representing my background. But part of that is I do want to be my best self as Eric, not just the black man. Um, so that's I'm, that's how I feel with that. So I'm sorry for going on with that. But
0: no apologies. <laughs> any any last words from you, Sarah? <laughs> um,
2: I mean, there's a lot of things that I feel like I could say about this topic, but. Um, I think that the biggest thing that I have learned in general, um, is that I don't know a lot and I will never, even though my husband is black and my child is mixed, I will never know the hardships that, um, that people of color throughout the world and specifically in America, um, that black people have to endure or have to carry from the mistreatment and from all of these things that have been placed and have been put into place based on just skin color. I'll never be able to fully understand it, but I want to listen. And that's the biggest thing that I think that we as white people can do is listen and not have all the answers because we don't have the answers. And each person is their own individual. And before when I initial in the initial stage of my processing and learning and growing turning the offense into a learning opportunity. And, and as a Christian, just realizing that God cares about that one person, that one person. And he wants us to fight for the injustices that happen with his people. And um, we, we, don't get to decide what that looks like and how people have experienced it or process it. And, and every person deserves the opportunity to be the best person of themselves. And when we limit people based on these factors, on their skin color, on where they grew up, on where this, this, and this, and this, whatever you place their value or worth on, you're you're not getting to know that person and their talents and who they were made to be once you put them in a box and i think that could be so detrimental and you you're missing out you're missing out on creativity and and beauty and all of these things that so many people of color have been doing since the beginning of time and civilizations and history i mean we're all we're all from the same place. We're all from the same people. We need to appreciate where that where we're from, but realize that we're so connected and and, and enjoy the differences. And that's all I have to yeah, say. Exactly. And that is probably why I love Eric and his family and different cultures and everything. Um, I have learned and I am aware of my upbringing and I'm aware of things that I've had to unlearn and, and question in terms of how I was raised or some of the different ideas that seem harmless but are actually harmful um and just continue to to grow as a person and listen to other people and and realize I don't have the answers I have no answers but I'm learning and I'm growing and I and I'm trying Um, so I think that there is um strength and there is grace in that um and that if I if I get offended, then I should take that as an opportunity to grow. Well, I've definitely. Th- oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I am thankful for people like Eric and some other friends that are people of color that are gracious and mm-hmm. that are willing to 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 be yeah. gracious during this <clears throat> process.
1: I don't want no the bird. I don't want people for a while to feel like they have to bear the burden to change every other person. You can only, you know, affect the, the immediate by people in your lives and how you treat them. Um, but I don't feel like you should bear the burden of the whole world. Like, every person has the duty to know how they treat people in their own lives and get better to treat those people. Um, and that's, and the love and kindness is enough. Um, um, and
2: action. Action,
1: yeah, That That's enough. <laughs> what you do is enough. And people say, like, what can I do more? What can I do more of? And I'm like, what you do is enough. Who you just being who you are is enough. I don't want to put on the same pedestal as actual people who are racist and prejudice, because um, that wouldn't be fair. And you shouldn't have to bear the burden of, you know, changing the hearts of those people, because that's not who you are. Not not specific, just, well, just you, know, just white people in general, Sarah. Um, that's not who you are. Um, I can only speak to how I felt treated by people, and not everyone, of course, I have maybe been treated with white people, um, but for the most part, the white people I've interacted you with know, since like, college on, that's been white, has been positive. Um, and, and I appreciate that. I don't want them to feel like that's never enough uh, for me, not saying for other black people, because I can't speak to everyone's experience. Uh, but you can only affect the people that you interact with that are black and me being one of them. If I'm the only black person you interact with and you treat me well, well, you're doing your part to make a change in the world or continue to make a change in the world. And you shouldn't have to bear the burden of what you no know, Susie Q you know, in California you know, was doing or Jimmy G, whatever, Jimmy Joe or you know, New York City. That's not your responsibility to bear of every white person to change their heart especially actual real racist who want to do harm and cost division. Um back to the question teacher can't snow you teach them to the love, start with that, you no, know, the principles as Christians and the Christ Jesus and uh, what that looks like. And no uh, and uh, let let that be the guide to how you treat people. Like Sarah said, always be open to learn, but that goes both ways as well too. Always be open to learn to the white culture. You no, know, what is that about? Um, No, I want to be open to learn too. Don't be so closed off. Um, So that's, I'll just leave it at that, so.
0: Well, I thank you guys so much for this opportunity because I have learned a lot. Sarah, I thank you for your challenges. Eric, I thank you for all your grace. You guys are the perfect combination. (laughs) (laughs) And I would love to have more conversations and never stop the conversations and always keep learning. Um, It's been a pleasure having you guys on. Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) I'm Cherise Fortunato from Shovel the Sidewalk, and this has been Sidewalk Talk.